listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's reading, I invite you to head over to the Facebook group, the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast, and there you'll be able to interact with me and other listeners and followers of this work. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example and holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 162, and we are reading from chapter 16, from volume 2, book 4, paragraphs 552 to 558. Chapter 16. The three kings of the Orient come to adore the word made man in Bethlehem. 552. The three magi kings who came to find the divine infant after his birth were natives of Persia, Arabia, and Saba, Psalm 71.10, countries to the east of Palestine. Their coming was prophesied especially by David and before him by Balaam, who, having been hired by Balak, king of the Moabites, to curse the Israelites, blessed them instead, Numbers 24.17. In this blessing, Balaam said that he would see the king Christ, although not at once, and that he would behold him although not present, for he did not see him with his own eyes, but through the Magi, his descendants, many centuries after. He said also that a star would arise unto Jacob, which was Christ, who arose to reign forever in the house of Jacob. Luke 1, 5.53 These three kings were well-versed in the natural sciences, and well-read in the scriptures of the people of God, and on account of their learning they were called Magi. By their knowledge of scripture, by conferring with some of the Jews, they imbued them with a belief in the coming of the Messiah expected by the people. They were, moreover, upright men, truthful and very just in the government of their countries. Since their dominions were not so extended as those of our times, they governed them easily and personally administered justice as wise and prudent sovereigns. This is the true office of kings, and therefore the Holy Ghost says that he holds their hearts in his hands in order to direct them like irrigated waters to the fulfillment of his holy will. Proverbs 21.1 They were also of noble and magnanimous disposition, free from avarice and covetousness which so oppresses, degrades, and belittles the spirits of princes. Because these magi 
govern adjoining countries, and lived not far from each other. They were mutual friends and shared with each other. The virtues and the knowledge which they had acquired, consulting each other in the more important events of their reigns. In all things, they communicated with each other as most faithful friends. 554. I've already mentioned in the 11th chapter, number 492, that on the same night in which the incarnate word was born, they were informed of his birth by the ministry of the holy angels. It happened in the following manner. One of the guardian angels of our queen of a higher order than that of the guardian angels of the three kings was sent from the cave of the nativity. By his superior faculties, he enlightened the three guardian angels of the kings, informing them at the same time of the will and the command of the Lord, that each of them should manifest to his charge the mystery of the incarnation and the birth of Christ, our Redeemer. Immediately and in the same hour, each of the three angels spoke in dreams to the wise men under his care. This is the usual course of angelic revelations when the Lord communicates with souls through the angels. This enlightenment of the kings concerning the mysteries of the incarnation was very copious and clear. They were informed that the king of the Jews was born as true God and true man, that he was the Messiah and Savior who was expected, that it was the one who was promised in the scriptures and prophecies, Genesis 3.10, and that they themselves, the three kings, were singled out by the Lord to seek the star, which Balaam had foretold. Each one of the three kings also was made aware that the same revelation was being made to the other two in the same way, and that it was not a favor or miracle which should remain unused, but that they were expected to cooperate with the divine light and execute what it pointed out. They were inspired and inflamed with a great love and with a desire to know the God-made man, to adore him as their creator and redeemer and serve him with the most perfect devotion. In all this, they were gradually assisted by their distinguished moral virtues, which they had acquired. For on account of them, they were excellently disposed for the operation of the divine enlightenment. 555. After receiving these heavenly revelations in their sleep, the three kings awoke at the same hour of the night, and prostrating themselves on the ground and humiliating themselves to the dust, they adored in spirit the immutable being of God. They exalted his infinite mercy and goodness for having sent the divine word to assume flesh of a virgin, Isaiah 7.14, in order to redeem the world and give eternal salvation to men. Then all three of them, governed by an impulse of the same spirit, resolved to depart without delay for Judea in search of the divine child in order to adore him. The three kings prepared gifts of gold, incense, and myrrh in equal quantities, being guided by the same mysterious impulse. And without having conferred with each other concerning their undertakings, the three of them arrived at the same resolve and the same plan of executing it. In order to set out immediately, they procured on the same day the necessary camels and provisions, together with the number of servants for the journey. Without hearing the commotion caused among the people, or considering that they were to travel in foreign regions, or caring for any outward show of authority, without ascertaining particulars of the place, whither they were to go, or gathering information for identifying the child, they at once resolved with fervent zeal and ardent love to depart in order to seek the newborn king. 556. 
At the same time, the holy angel who had brought the news from Bethlehem to the kings formed of the material air a more resplendent star, although not so large as those of the firmament, for it was not to ascend higher than was necessary for the purpose of its formation. It took its course through the atmospheric regions in order to guide and direct the holy kings to the cave where the child awaited them. Its splendor was of a different kind from that of the sun and the other stars. With its most beautiful light, it illumined the night like a brilliant torch, and it mingled its own most active brilliancy with that of the sun by day. On coming out of their palaces, each one of the kings saw the new star, Matthew 2.2, although each from a different standpoint because it was only one star and it was placed in such distance and height that it could not be seen by each one at the same time. As the three of them followed the guidance of this miraculous star, they soon met. Thereupon it immediately approached them much more closely, descending through many shifts of the aerial space, and rejoicing them by shedding its refulgence over them at closer range. They began to confer among themselves about the revelation they had received and about their plans, finding that they were identical. They were more and more inflamed with devotion and with the pious desire of adoring the newborn God and broke out in praise and admiration of the inscrutable works and mysteries of the Almighty. 557. The Magi pursued their journey under the guidance of the star without losing sight of it until they arrived at Jerusalem. As well on this account, as also because of the city was the capital and metropolis of the Jews, they suspected that this was the birthplace of the legitimate and true king. They entered into the city and openly inquired after him, saying, Matthew 2.8, Where is the king of the Jews who is born? For we have seen a star in the east, announcing to us his birth, and we have come to see him and adore him. Their inquiry came to the ears of Herod, who at the time unjustly reigned in Judea and lived in Jerusalem. The wicked king, panic-stricken at the thought that a more legitimate claimant to the throne should have been born, felt much disturbed and outraged by this report. With him, the whole city was aroused. Some of the people out of flattery to the king, others on account of the fear of disturbance. Immediately as St. Matthew relates, Herod called together a meeting of the principal priests and scribes in order to ask them where Christ was to be born according to the prophecies and holy scriptures. They answered that according to the words of one of the prophets, Micah, Micah 5.2, he was to be born in Bethlehem since it was written by him that there the ruler of Israel was to arise. 558. Thus informed of the birthplace of the new king of Israel and insidiously plotting from that very moment to destroy him, Herod dismissed the priests. Then he secretly called the Magi in order to learn of them at what time they had seen the star as harbinger of his birth. Matthew 2.7. They ingenuously informed him, and he sent them away to Bethlehem, saying to them in covert malice, Go and inquire after the infant, and when you have found him, announce it to me, in order that I too may go to recognize and adore him. The Magi departed, leaving the hypocritical king ill at ease, and in great consternation at such indisputable signs of the coming of the legitimate king of Israel into the world. Although he could have eased his mind in regard to his sovereignty by the thought that a recently born infant could not be enthroned so very soon, yet human prosperity is so unstable and deceitful that it can be overthrown even by an infant or by the mere threat of far-off danger. 
Thus, can even an imagined uncertainty destroy all the enjoyment and happiness so deceitfully offered to its possessors. This concludes our reading today for day number 162. We have been reading from Volume 2, Book 4, Chapter 16, Paragraphs 552 to 558. One of the things that always impresses me about our readings from the mystical city of God is the great knowledge of Scripture. I said it just a few days ago about Mary having a great knowledge of Scripture, but we hear today about these three kings as well. These three kings were well-versed in the natural sciences and well-read in the Scriptures of the people of God, and on account of their learning they were called Magi. By their knowledge of the Scripture and by conferring with some of the Jews, they were imbued with a belief in the coming of the Messiah expected by the people. So they knew the scriptures, they read the scriptures, they reflected on the scriptures. I always just think this is such a great encouragement to us to reclaim the authority of the sacred scriptures in our life, to make sure that we're reading them. Because even today we hear about Balaam and Balak and all these different individuals, and if we don't know who they are, well then we should Google it, we should learn more about them. And maybe we find what verses in the Old Testament they are, and we go and we read about Balaam and Balak and all of these different people. If I don't know about the prophecy of Micah, well, then I go to the book of the prophet Micah, and I read from that book. And I learn what Micah said as he announced that the Messiah, the new king of Israel, would be born in Bethlehem. And then we heard about the three kings. The first thing that really impressed me about the three kings is the fact that as rulers, they consulted with each other. They didn't look at each other as enemies, but they shared with one another. They sought advice. They reigned in a godly fashion. And we see how they reigned in a godly fashion because God so chose to send a guardian angel, according to this account, to tell them about what had happened. To go, they first pray individually. They prepare their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, each of them bringing the same gifts. And then they leave their place and converge upon each other. Thereupon, it immediately approached them more and more closely, descending through many shifts of the aerial space and rejoicing them by shedding its refulgence over them. They began to confer among themselves about the revelation they had received and about their plans, finding that they were identical. They were more and more inflamed with the devotion, with the pious desire of adoring the newborn God, and broke out in praise and admiration of the inscrutable works and mysteries of the Almighty. These three kings meet up along the way, who have been consulting with each other during their reigns, and now they're able to share how they were inspired, and they realize, wow, God inspired us each in the same way. And what does that do? That leads them to praise and admire the inscrutable works of the mysteries of the Almighty. Sometimes in our life, we need to take a step back and we have to marvel at what God has done. In my book, A Heart Like Mary's, the very first book that I wrote with Ave Maria Press, I told a story about being in Lourdes, France. And how I was there with a family and one of their friends, and they had a teenage daughter who had cancer, and we were praying for a healing. It was always her dream to go to Lourdes. And so we were eating at a restaurant, and 
we begin to make conversation with two other people, uh, two friends, and they begin telling us their story. And this other individual there because she had cancer as well. And then I felt compelled to offer the anointing of the sick for both of them at the Grotto of Masabiel and for us to pray together where Our Lady appeared in Lourdes. But I had to sit back and just marvel and praise God that he inspired me to do that. I had to sit back and marvel at the fact that God brought both of us, this, that God brought these two groups together and we were in the same place at the right time so that all of this could happen. It was a beautiful moment of grace, just like these three magi experienced. In your life, look at what God is doing and praise and adore him for it. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year, I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. I'm grateful that you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.